Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Pandora. Save 20% at TommyJohn.com slash Pandora. See site for details. Hey, Hotels.com here. Struggling to keep up with your toddler? We know a hotel that'll keep them entertained. Book family-friendly hotels with pools in the Hotels.com app to find your perfect somewhere. Someplace underneath. My bones are weary. My bones. What are you, like an old witch in the woods? Are you a 2,000-year-old witch in the woods, Natalie? I'm working on it. It's my goal. <laughs> well, we had so much fun at your, like, Halloween. Thanks. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, I mean, these... We might have went a little overboard because we weren't allowed to do anything last Halloween, oh, so we yeah. were making up for it. These past two years have really been a total shit show and a casket set on fire, mm -hmm. so it felt nice. It felt nice to dress like a complete slut and just go to a friend's house and dance with the girls. You were a classy, classy, sexy lady. Thank you. Um, we did. We were dancing uh, to the Beetlejuice soundtrack at 4 a.m. I don't remember. <laughs> you were. <laughs> we probably have pictures of it. Oops. Uh, and this is why I hang out with other women or people who identify as women. Because <laughs> if I'm dancing with men at 4 a.m. and I don't remember, oh. Yeah, yeah, that's good. No, you were amongst friends. It was all yeah. safe. Welcome to Someplace Underneath. I'm Natalie Jean. I'm Amber Nelson. And we are getting close to the end of the season. So crazy. It's a lot of people, a lot of situations we've gone over. And a lot of situations. All over the world, all different kind of folks. Yeah, it's been a wild, it's been a, this has been a really fun and and, you know, as much as it can be fun, um, you know, uh, enjoyable experience to do this with you so far. And I'm having a good time. I don't know how to say <laughs> that. Um, well, researching and learning and like yeah. talking about people and like reaching out and like talking to friends and families of people. Yeah. Uh, so what we wanted to do before we do our final series of this season is go back and look at some of the cases and stories that we've already talked about and see what's going on. See if there's updates, see if there's new things. Um, this week has been really weird. Uh, very unusual, unique week. It's unique week. <laughs> um if you guys didn't notice, we could not put out an episode last week. Um, we can't say much, but I can't release it, unfortunately. It's really out of my control. And I also can't say anything else about that. And I'm very sorry to be vague. Uh, but we were talking about L. Cho, Lauren Cho. I really have not been able to stop thinking about her 
She's such a, like, from the videos we saw in the interview, she seems like such a kind, kooky, like, zany girl that I could be friends with. I could definitely just see her in our friends group. Yeah. And, you know, she really did get to me. It's probably because I see some of myself in her and we really can't escape those personal connections when we're looking at these sort of things. Um, She also just seemed like such a vibrant and kind spirit who just really deserved so much better than this. She deserved a long life and a full life filled with healthy love and support. And uh, if you aren't aware, it was determined that the remains they found were, in fact, L just uh, last week. So my heart just goes out to her family and all of her New Jersey friends. Uh, I also want to extend my deepest thanks to Elle's longtime friends who reached out to me from New Jersey and beyond. And also all of y'all who live in the surrounding Yucca Valley area where she disappeared, who may not have known Elle, but desperately cared and wanted to help and reach out. You all really, you know, touched my heart and I I can tell how loved she really was and how special she was as a person. Uh, So, yeah, sorry to be vague again, but here's a very brief recap just so everybody's up to speed. On June 28, 2021, Elle allegedly, after getting into an argument with Cody Orell or Cody the roadie, as he likes to call himself, walked into the Yucca Valley brush and quote unquote evaporated, as Cody says. Cody Orell is her ex-ish boyfriend, and that was apparently the last person who saw her. He claims that because they were in an argument, he walked away from her for 10 to 15 minutes. And in that time, she simply disappeared without a trace. Cody, by the way, who is at first glance very elusive, is not the person who shows up when you Google Lauren Cho. Yeah, because when I Googled him, it was an um, African-American man with one arm. Yes. And that was not the man that you saw. No, it's not him. Different person. Yeah. So when you Google his name, this unfortunate person shows up who has nothing to do with this. I'm sure his name is also Cody Orell. He's just like, stop contacting me. Please, I did not. I'm not a part of this. Um, So Cody in this scenario is a tall, white, gangly, sort of late 30s hipster guy um, who I now have many photos of. He wears a lot of those, you know, like wide brimmed uh, children of the corn hats. Cool. You know, those flat brim ones. Um. Just so you know, and and don't think ill or or be concerned about this guy who shows up on the Google search, because even when you Google her name, he'll show up next to her picture. Oh, no. And it's just this poor guy has nothing to do with it. Oh, this. my God. You know, one time this um, like in L.A., this there was this casting director that like. There was this guy that did this competition and he had this name, this comic. And they're like, OK, this guy's great. We're all going to go to Hawaii and shoot this reality series. But they brought the wrong comic on. What? And then he goes to Hawaii and bombs. And by the way, bomb is like comic slang for like not doing very well because he was like an open micer. Like he'd only been doing it for like a year. But this other comic was like a seasoned dude with the same name. Whoa. So he had to change his name. Wait, so the new dude, did he know it was a mistaken identity? No, he was just like, I guess I'm good. I've been doing stand-up for one year, and now I go to Hawaii on a special show. Wow. You know, because you're just like, you're so full of yourself. Sure. Like in stand-up. So it's very easy to happen when you Google someone's name. Right. When you Google my name, there's another Amber Nelson that comes up. There was also another tattooed model named Natalie Jean. Man. Um, so that was confusing for a while. So many people. Uh, Yeah, so... um. So just that little note. Um, Then I also wanted to give her sister's quote 
My family extends their thanks to all those who have waited with us, stood with us, cried with us, and hoped with us these past several months. The depths of our collective sorrow feels endless as grief demands space for this accompanying emptiness. I ask that you kindly respect the grieving process of the family and close friends who have known and loved Elle for years. So, um... Very thoughtful. Yeah, she had a very loving, very clearly concerned family. Um, Her cause and manner of death are pending toxicology results. So they have, in fact, determined that, unfortunately, that is Elle. And, you know, I'm very glad that she's not suffering or in pain, but we had hoped for a different outcome. We uh, don't know what the cause of death is yet. So this is not the end of Elle's story. And we will not forget her. We need to see what her ultimate death cause of death was. And we also need to know why she was found so incredibly close to the compound at which she was residing and why, despite the massive foot, air and vehicle searches that went on for weeks. And dog searches. Yep. Seven dogs were out there. They could not find a single trace of her. And all these teams came back with nothing. So in early October, she was found. The remains, I should say, were found then. And then it took several weeks for them to determine that it was, in fact, Elle. And she went missing in June. So between June and October, there were multiple searches for her all across the board, everywhere in that area. One of the people uh, who was on, you know, the ground at that point, we read off the story last episode about L, but just to remind you, he writes in his story, 40-ish professional SAR, police, volunteers, motorcyclists, hikers, and friends have concluded that L is not in the hills behind the property where we thought she went, which is where they just found her, by the way. No tracks of her have been found. They correctly identified lots of ours. Our best guess is that she somehow hitched a ride out of here. At least that's what we hope is the case. SAR or SAR, I'm not sure how you say that, has nowhere left to look in the hills. This is why we've doubled down on flyers and efforts in the city. We were told the next 24 hours are typically the wait and see period of a search where someone is most likely to pop back up on their own. We certainly hope this is the case. Sometimes you wish for a nothing burger. So that is just... A couple months ago, they wrote that. That's like days after. Oh. I think maybe the day after she went missing. And then shortly after, a couple of days, he follows up with a nonprofit ex-military crew of search and rescue is coming back tomorrow morning around 5 a.m. to comb the hills southeast and have another look. The police took Elle's car to look for whatever clues they could find in it. And then there's another report by the end of July. On Saturday, July 31st, 2021, at 6 a.m., detectives assigned to the Morongo Basin Station and search and rescue members executed a search warrant in the block of in the Yucca Valley. During the search warrant service, seven canines searched the last known location where Cho was seen and surrounding the unincorporated areas for evidence. On July 24th, 2021, Sheriff's Department fixed-wing aircraft conducted aerial searches of the remote mountain terrain near the scene. Ongoing search efforts continue with future operations planned as further leads are developed in the investigation. Damn, that was a lot of work went into this. Yeah, there was... A lot. And it's not people like me because people like me are dumb and I would take five steps out and be like, I don't see it. I don't know. These are like SWAT team folks. They're people who know how to do search and rescues. And 
All of these people came back with no results, not a footprint, not a drop of blood, not a fiber of clothing, not a smell from those dogs. And then she was found right where they were looking this whole time. So this is perplexing, to say the least. Um, So we'll be definitely be keeping an eye on Elle's story and hopefully we'll find out soon what the toxicology reports are. And we just we're keeping her in our heart and we're, we're just so very sorry to her loved ones. So I guess since we have discussed this, I'm going to go backwards in time discussing the other episodes we've done. Right before uh, Lauren Cho's case, we were discussing Peru. Peru. Um, So this was pretty recent. So not an entire lot has changed um, since then. However, their local activists are remaining vigilant, which is awesome. And if you don't, if you missed the Peru episode, um, there's a lot of uh, violence against women and the police are just kind of they don't care. They cover it up. They call the women hotheads. Um, a couple cases where this one girl was called a hothead and then she was found dun, 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 in the house under yep. the floorboards. From her partner. From yeah. her partner, which yeah. is usually the case. Yeah. And that is sort of what we kind of the determination we got to is why is the number so high? And partly because the laws currently in Peru are not geared towards respecting women in any way. And also it is a trafficking hub. Um, you got the mountains, you got the ocean. Mm-hmm. It's kind of secluded. There's a lot of jungle. It's sort of ripe with it. And you also, they don't have strong rules about women's safety. So you can get away with a lot when yeah. you bring people but through. But there are a lot of activists. There are. And which is great. God bless them. Yeah. I hope they keep fighting. Um, yes. Um, yeah. So the most recent thing that I would say as an update is that this just happened Um they wanted to do it in sync with Dios de los Muertos. Uh, so this organization called Together Peru for Justice, Enough of Impunity, they were holding a vigil November 1st at 8.30 in memory of those uh, who have been victims of femicide and those who are missing. Um, they also kind of incorporate the idea of they're speaking to them, which is part of what that ceremony is. But then they're doing also the just the they're doing service to them by saying we're doing this outside of like lawmakers buildings and things. So you you can't ignore us. You can't pretend like these people didn't exist. Oh, yeah. These activists like really shake things up. They really want to like make a big scene because they have to. A big it was hard doing research on like the femicide in Peru because even local Peruvian papers don't want to pick it up. Yeah, it really is. It's it's left up to the families, usually the mothers of these women to scream in the streets, literally yeah. going like, why aren't you paying attention to this? Yeah. It's crazy. And so there's a I don't think we even got to her on the episode, but a woman named Magli Agula, who is the mother of femicide victim Sheila Torres. And she's the one of the leaders of the collective that we just mentioned. And she is trying to fight for all victims of sexual violence. Um, oh, my God. What a hero. And she's like putting herself out there in a dangerous situation. Prayers for her if you're listening. Yeah. I mean, she she says this is to be a light of hope so that true justice can be reached in each case. So she, you know, it stands the mothers and the loved ones of these murdered and missing are the forefront of change in Peru, which is super admirable. But like you said, Amber is just really fucked up uh, that they have to go through this unspeakable pain and then just go into the streets and demand that their government give two shits. And that it really is sad that some people 
if they're not seeing it, they can just act like it's not there and be fine with that. And it's not okay. Like you can't just because you oh my eyeballs don't see it, so it's fine. It's I don't fine. Know. I don't see it. Um, Sweep it under the rug. Yeah. So mad respect for these women. They are putting themselves on the line for change. And, you know, hopefully we'll continue to see change. And I think government has like a very slow uh, potential to get better right now. It's maybe going to go swing towards a better direction. But we'll have to kind of stay posted and see what goes on there. Then before that, we talked about Susan Powell. Most of you know, probably by now, Susan died almost certainly at the hands of her husband, Josh Powell. There has never been a body recovered, however. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks to the investigative journalism of Cold's Dave Cowley, the chances of her being discovered are quite slim due to what he's uncovered about everything. There is a lot of evidence. This is gross, and I'm really sorry. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that he disposed of her over a long period of time in multiple locations. Oh, because she lives in an area that's kind of, you can do that. Yeah, and I mean, some of it was he managed to track Josh Powell's movements over his phone records. So there was times when he would go to like a dumpster site for 15 minutes somewhere and then drive way across town to another dumpster site for 15 minutes. No, what's he doing by those dumpsters in 15 minutes? I mean, he should be fucking with his that's where he belongs hanging out in a dumpster <laughs> with the rats in a back alley what is it like a bar behind that back alley is it where you're going for 15 minutes just a quick shot and then over here no yeah so there's a there's a lot to say that it was it's going to be really difficult to ever you know recover her in any way but we don't know if that that might not be true but there might still be hope of that But we'll never know completely for sure, because if you'll recall, Josh Powell became a family annihilator and anybody who was directly tied to the alleged crime uh, is now dead, uh, two by suicide and one by heart attack. So maybe one day Susan's family will find some form of closure one way or another. The closest they've come so far is their work in changing child welfare laws in Washington state. So... After the deaths of their two grandsons at the hand of the man who most likely murdered their daughter as well, the couple sued Washington's Department of Social and Health Services in 2013. Yeah, there was a lot of wrongdoing with the government here. They were just like, yeah, let the kids hang out with the dad unsupervised. It's fine. He's only a monster. Yeah. So this is a problem we're going to see again and again in these kind of situations. Obviously, this has been a very long and lengthy process because they're still basically in appeals right now. But they started it in 2013. Uh, But it's long as it always is when you sue a government agency for a very large sum of money. The civil suit accused the department, social workers, of negligence in their handling of the Powell children who died during a court-authorized supervised visitation at a home Josh Powell had rented. Well, the government is, like, pretty slow in doing things. Like, everything's, like, by mail, and you got to... To, you know, make a scantron of it, make a copy and get stamps. Well, especially if you're asking for money from them. Yeah. They'll they'll make sure to drag it out for several decades. So you maybe you just like get you forget about it or something, you know, um, but they're not going to. So I personally agree with this process that they're doing. They have they sued initially for almost $100 million. I mean, I'm sure they'd rather have their family back, but... Well, so the reason 
that they did that wasn't necessarily for their own financial gain. The lines of communication, you know, the reason that they are suing the uh, social workers in the department is because the lines of communication were not strong between child welfare and police, if you'll recall. So there were there's so many red flags. If, if you are familiar, you listen to our episodes. Josh Powell's family is a series of goblins. Um, each one worse than the next. And there were so many reasons that they should not have had custody of those kids or even access to those kids. But because they weren't communicating properly and because child services is probably not equipped for somebody like Josh Powell. Yeah. So didn't the kids run inside and child services was like, oh, my God, he's hurting them inside and then called the cops. And they were like, the, the cops were like, wait, who are you? What? That 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 day, the event when it actually happened, it was all not great, and it wasn't the social worker's fault, in my opinion. In that time, in that moment, it was the series of mistakes leading up to that moment, like the fact that Josh Powell had unfettered access to his kids in his private home; he should have never had that. And then having this elderly, physically unprepared social worker, the only person to observe an openly disturbed man with his kids in his own home, is not good. The fact that they like because he made them with his jizz that he was somehow better than these other very much more um, proper childcare uh, options that were nearby. Somehow he got the kids still because of this, the said sperm that came out of him. Springs in bloom. And so are the new lavender drinks at Starbucks. Enjoy subtle, sweet notes of lavender paired with silky matcha or rich espresso. For a fresh floral take on classic cafe beverages. Order yours now in the Starbucks app. When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Ah, Is there a door behind all those spiders? It's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. Ah, this is perfect. Relax, you booked a Verbo. So yeah, so during this trial, witnesses for the Coxes accused the Department of Social and Health Services and its social workers of showing reunification bias, which is what we were just talking about. Yeah, it's half of him, so he's got to be the best part of it. Right. And it's that sort of um, that mentality. It's like the mother and father always should have property of their, the kids are their property. And it's we, we need to get away from that mentality. Nobody's kids are their property. They're human beings. You're raising a person. You're not raising a child. You're raising a human that's going to become an adult. And if Sometimes the parents are not okay to raise their children. Yeah, sometimes they're they have lewd things on their computer. Yeah, and sometimes they're just not well mentally, even if it's temporarily not okay. Sometimes the parents aren't the best people to care for the kids. Um, so they they that's what they in the um, trial that's what they were saying that they were showing reunification bias by attempting to place Charlie and Braden Powell back with their father in spite of Josh Powell's status as the sole suspect in the suspected killing of his wife. I mean, if you suspect this person to kill the wife, why are you saying, yeah, okay, you can be hang out with your kids alone? Yeah. At least somebody's got to be there or like outside in right. public. They, they should have, if they he had access to them, that should have been in like an institution, uh, like a building that was within child service protection. It seems like the government in their area, they're just probably swamped with paperwork and they're just like, I don't know, let the kids hang out. We have so much going on. I think that some of it's that. And I think some of it is archaic laws. I think some of it it is um, maybe some people aren't really equipped for their jobs, I imagine. So 
in Chuck Cox's words, we he says we cannot accept this business as usual attitude from DSHS, the state or the court. Policies and procedures cannot continue to be ignored at the expense of the safety of the children. So they've been in this litigation for I think it's litigation. Is that the right word? <laughs> oh, man. This is why we have to we'll do a Twitch soon with our, our lawyer friend Mackenzie, because I think that's the correct term. Yeah, court of law. I mean, I was talking to myself this morning about how a good society needs a proper court of law because humans are naturally vengeful. Mm -hmm. So in order to like dream and build and design, we need to have a place where people can go, where there is an unbiased judge and jury and lawyers. And then we settle the case there instead of being like, you got my cousin. I'll go get your cousin. Right. You know, because then nothing's going to get built. Nothing's going to get sure. done. But do I know any of this jargon? Fuck no. No. But yeah, for sure that needs to exist. And we also have to root out issues inside of that because that can also become corrupted and fucked oh, yeah. up, which it, uh, it, is, it might be. It might be. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, they've they it was just actually last year that a jury ruled unanimously at the conclusion of the trial that the state agency had acted negligently. Their verdict levied a 98.5 million penalty against the state. Weeks later, however, attorneys for the state filed a motion requesting a new trial or a reduction in the damages. So, essentially, they won and then the attorneys for the state were like no, 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 no. That's too much. We don't like it. And so then the judge comes in. This seems like this shouldn't be illegal. But the judge comes in. And this is October of 2020. This is happening. Mm -hmm. The judge ends up slashing the penalty fine to $32 million, which sounds great. That sounds like a ton of money. But the reason Chuck and Judy Cox were requesting that high of a payout in the first place is because it was intended to force change on the state, to warn them that the only way... The government can usually hear it is if we're going to take all your money. Oh, yeah. Money talks. Yeah. Money talks. That's why they were charging for so much. And if the judge was like, nah, slash in half, then any bigger politicians would they would just look over it. They wouldn't care about this. This very important issue that yeah. Chuck and Judy Cox are fighting for, which is the child welfare in their state being um, reformed, essentially. Um, so the reason that it was so high was because that they wanted to show, hey, if you're going to keep being negligent with kids and people's families, you're going to have to end up paying $100 million a bunch of times. So the judge just kind of was able to roll in mm -hmm. and was it just said sort of, no, That's which weird. Yeah, because huh. a jury decided but I thought I, it should all be like just bipartisan just the judge jury lawyers or just like them them themselves yeah like they don't have a bias I mean they, the jury was unanimous in, in agreeing and then he just said no huh. Um, huh. so but they are currently appealing this so that's probably going to be another 25 years. Can a judge go against a jury? I didn't think they could but I, I thought I, the jury did the thing and then the judge did the gavel but fuck I guess I'm wrong and that's another episode of How Court Works with Natalie and Amber. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to tell you that. We need a Twitch stream with a lawyer. Yeah, we, we'll get we'll get there. Okay. But yeah, so this is weird. So appealing this judge's ruling, I think, is a good idea because this seems to be wildly overstepping. But again, I don't know what the rules are. And I support their decision in appealing this. Chuck and Judy Cox are not lavish spenders. They're not doing this so they can buy a Lambo. No. And also, that's a lot of money. But it's like, how many politicians own stocks that they trade and sell and make money that just 
goes without a blip in the news. They're trying to make an impact. They're yeah. trying to do a thing that will help actually make a change. And I really respect that. The, since the, the Powell gremlins took away their family, their grandchildren and their daughter, their sole purpose in life has seemed to be to create change in how family court is handled in Washington. And that is super admirable. The fact that those boys had multiple multiple safe, loving homes to go to within their own family. And they were continuously brought back to the man who was the prime suspect in his wife's disappearance is beyond the pale, is bonkers. Yeah. And again, archaic laws and just lazy lawmaking. Yeah. I think just not caring and being like, well, the dad's the one who shits this. It came out of his dick. Well, let's hope they get that money and make some change. Yeah. So then we go to the 23 pipeline. Man, you guys, man, I got a really shitty update on this. Oh, no. Um, If a quick review, the 23 pipeline is a section of southern Ohio where a lot of disenfranchised women go missing and have been disappearing for a while and there wasn't a lot of answers as to why. So there has been some investigative journalism going into the area and, and it, a lot of it has to do with the, the opioid crisis and the drug trade. And so we talked about a lot of the women who were a part of this unfortunate trend. Mm-hmm. And just because you are on drugs doesn't make you a bad person or not worthy to be found if you're missing. Right. It's very easy to get addicted to drugs. Lord knows the companies make it that way. And if drugs weren't fun, no one would do them. For sure. And and also there, you know, once the opioids came in and then left, uh, the heroin was there for people who had become addicted. Yeah, it's uh, cheap. It's they, right there. They had not a lot of opportunities in this area. They were easy to get sex trafficked whenever they became addicted to drugs. And then you get the sex trafficking women in prison and then the the officers just thrown right back out on the streets with no protection. Meanwhile, they're pimpus out there. They got like dudes looking for them. It's very scary. Which is, you know, we had why we kind of ended that series with talking about some of the people who are working to combat that, which is fucking awesome. Um, There are organizations that are directly trying to work to just go, hey, when these women are arrested, do you want to learn something? Do you want to, we can help you go to school. We can help you get, uh, you know, transition out of this lifestyle if you want to get clean, all that. So I love all of that. Um, So in our series, we were talking, there's a lot of names we threw out there. So one woman we talked about who is total badass, whose name is Katie Lancaster. Do you remember her? She is the sister-in-law of Megan Lancaster. And she was the one, Megan Lancaster is still missing actively. Um, she and, and Katie was the one who discovered Megan's Rolodex with all the people in it, including the police chief's name. Yes. Where, where it was, you know, under lap dances. In her apartment. because, mm-hmm. And then when she went missing, the police did not do a very good job mm-hmm. of like finding out where she is because they're like, oh, she's a drug addict. But it was almost good that they didn't because then the sister-in-law comes in and was like, what's this Rolodex where it says lap dances? And then there's with the chief police chief. Yeah. So she found these these extensive notes Megan had been making towards the end of before she disappeared. And she was trying to work with the police, but they were kind of not really like taught. They didn't really, they're being a little combative with her. So... The Scioto County Coroner's Office confirmed Lancaster, Katie, 
She was found deceased what? earlier this month at age 33. No way. And she was healthy. Yeah. We saw videos of her. Yeah. She was found dead in her apartment. No way she died from natural causes. There's no official word on how she died, but she was 33 years old. That's um, young. Officials said her body was taken to Montgomery County for an autopsy. Preliminary results from the autopsy were not available Monday, but could be within the week. And get this. The Scioto County Sheriff's Office stated that the Portsmouth Police Department is handling the case. A police report states she was found at approximately 6.21 a.m. at a residence on the 1100 block of 4th Street. Police officials did not reply to requests for comment at the time of this publication. So it was the very police she was fighting that are covering the case? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here, Natalie. Yeah. How is this not a thing that the FBI's get involved with? I don't know. And I, I do wonder if once her uh, autopsy report is released, if there will be other people involved. But this was the police department she was fighting. Captain Lynn Brewer was, in fact, the cop listed in Megan's notes who she could dance for. His name appeared and she's the one he's the one she called just at his home phone being like, why is your number in my sister-in-law's notebook under lap dances. Oh, my God. And he was like, oh, I'll investigate the case. And then my investigation says I'm innocent. Well, listen to what Captain Lynn Brewer says about Megan and Katie in this clip from the documentary Gone, the Forgotten Women of Ohio. Megan, she was a lost kid. We know she was having some rough time, going through a hard time in her life. Um, she just all of a sudden disappeared. She hasn't been seen or heard from since. Is her case still being actively uh, investigated? Yes, yes. You know, it's just a slow process. Could she have been abducted for human trafficking? I don't think that was the case with her, the human trafficking. You know, my opinion over the times I encountered her was she wasn't at that point in her life where that was going to happen to her. It was that lifestyle that got her involved in wherever she ended up, wherever she is now. Katie Lancaster, mm -hmm. Megan's sister-in-law. Is that someone you've ever talked to? We've had a couple of interactions, and, you know, I try to understand where she's coming from, but sometimes she takes the rumors she hears and runs too far with them, and, you know, she does damage to herself. She does damage to herself. That's just like, shut up, woman. He does look like Orville Redenbacher licking his fingers. Yeah. Anybody who's listening? Yeah. So that guy was the one who was in Megan Lancaster's notes. And Katie was the one who called to met home. Now, Katie is has passed. She's dead at 33. It's bizarre, to say the least. Uh also, Katie also challenged Michael Mirren, who, if you'll recall, was that boisterous attorney guy. Remember, he had all the um, the bunch of the young women in his office who he had saved and it was all those girls around him. Oh, yeah. And he was like, he was like extra sneaky because he'd be like, I'll take the women from a lifestyle they might not want to live anymore and I'll get you a job, right? Mm -hmm. And like an apartment and I'll get you clean. And then was just like fucking them over. And is also trafficking them. Trafficking them. He's currently facing a lot of charges. Good. Um, but he is being looked at as one of the people 
responsible for Megan Lancaster's death. And Katie Lancaster was very open and vocal about that. And the fact that she's died now is this reeks, this reeks to high heaven because she was not part of the drug or party scene. She had five young children. They had not released how she died yet. I cannot with this. It, there, it's so. It, it's so unlikely that she just died of some other natural and cause. And those five kids, meanwhile, to grow up without a mother for no reason, for a senseless reason. I mean, yeah. she looked healthy in these interviews. Yeah. Um, so we're we're really, really sorry to Katie's family. It's such a tragedy. And of course, I need to say at this time, nobody's been accused of her murder. If she was murdered, we don't know how what her cause of death is yet. And so this is not to say anybody did anything to her. No, we know we know slander nobody. But it's perplexing and also really sad and surprising to see that that happened. So we're, we're definitely going to keep an eye on that. Um, we'll come back to that. So um, also, I just wanted to do a quick um, mention a woman named Devin, who sometimes goes by Sequoia Cooper, has recently gone missing in the Columbus area. Uh, I would like to talk about her more, too, I, but I just found out about her story. So I have very limited information right now. But she just uh, I believe she went missing about a month ago and uh, Cooper Devin Cooper, who goes by Sequoia a lot, is five foot five. Uh, she's a black woman, weighs 145 pounds, has black hair and brown eyes. And uh, I will work on getting more information Can about her. Can we put her. a picture of her up on socials? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, So we'll put a picture up and uh, we'll keep you posted on that. So after or before, I should say, as we're going in rewind, we have Sophie Long. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. The little girl. The, the This is the um, Kickstarter. Not Kickstarter. GoFundMe. The, the GoFundMe, the Facebook, the very public eye, the sweet little girl, the blonde girl that if you are a child, I shouldn't know what you look like. Mm -hmm. You should have some privacy because that's the definition of childhood. Yeah. Uh, this fucking wet hot garbage inside a box of diarrhea. That is Michael Long. Um <laughs> He is a piece of shit. He's the He's worst. He's just a piece of shit. Okay. It's just the bandana and the guitar and the like, just the puffed up chest and the like, he just looks like, oh, like, you know, in like Sunday school, all those like preachers that would come in and be like, y'all won't know about Jesus. Oh, youth pastor? Yeah, yeah. He's just like a bad youth pastor. Yeah. Except he's more into magic, mm. as if you'll recall. Oh, yeah. He Cast said, spells. I can like, I can put summon spells on you. Mm hmm. Uh, he's great. So it's just really even difficult to determine whether or not talking about this poor girl anymore is helpful. I didn't want to do it in the first place because she had been so exploited by her father at this point. But because she was in kind of still is considered missing, uh, I, I did the series. Um, this whole case has gone quiet over the last two months, which I can only hope means that Michael Long has been arrested. I'm not sure. I honestly don't even want to go into the details of this case. It's so repulsive. It's very exploitative to a little girl. You can go back and listen to our episodes on it if you're not sure what I'm referencing here, essentially. But what the reason we started doing the uh, series was Michael Long was ordered to hand his daughter over to the daughter's mom's family on July 11th of this year, which he did not do. Both he and his daughter disappeared and an arrest warrant was sent out for him. 
for a few weeks, it was very worrisome for people. And I mean, it still is. But for a few weeks, there was no we couldn't we didn't hear a word. Yeah, they could have been on Mars. Who and, knows? And he was so present online. He was always online asking for money and talking to people. Oh, yeah. So for him to disappear was like, what what are we doing? He raised a lot of money. Too. He did. He raised like six figures. Um, but then he somehow ran out of that money. Uh, How are you going to run out of six figures? I could live a year on $10,000. I mean, I don't think this gentleman has made a lot of very good choices in Mm -hmm. his life. But he ran out of the money, so he needed to grift more. And so he started reappearing on YouTube on a couple of the friendly channels to him. Like two months after, maybe a month after he disappeared. Um, And why those YouTubers aren't held accountable legally is beyond me. But they spoke to him, made sure he was able to receive more money from people. Um, He also secured what I'm sure was a lump sum of money from the Daily Mail at this time. Uh, I believe that was in August of this year. Oh, yeah. Daily Mail did a report on him, even though he was known to be missing with his daughter. And had an arrest warrant out. And had an arrest warrant out. And the Daily Mail was like, here's a news story. Yeah. In that article, in that story they ran, they met up with him in person in like a undisclosed location. And he brought the daughter with him. So they had a photo confirmation that she was at least on the surface she looked okay. She didn't look like she was starving or anything. But I don't know why they are not held accountable. I think it has something to do with the fact that they're a British paper. They don't. They're not. They don't have to deal with our laws. But they met up with them in person while he had an arrest warrant out for him. Because if I were to go and interview this guy, that's like on the wanted list that has an arrest warrant out, and I did a paper on him on my little thing, you would think I would be. People would be like, "Hey, Amber, where is he?" And I'm not going to be like, I can't tell you. Yeah. That again seems illegal. I guess we need to go to England if we're going to go find missing people and not report them. <laughs> um, so we did at least get a photo of her from this time. So um, the whole family, the extended family and otherwise in this story is a mess. Michael, in his weird obsession with his daughter, has completely abandoned his other children, his three sons, and had, at the time of his and her initial disappearance in July, was also on the run with not only the daughter, but a woman who had helped run his Facebook page he had begun to have an affair with. Yep, and then left her for somebody else, right? I got, I don't know who where she is right now, but that woman also had lost custody of her kids and it was, I hate, I hate it here, Amber. Is it a mess? And also, like, if he has these sons and apparently, because his whole case is like, my wife and her boyfriend are abusive to the kids. Mm-hmm. If they're so abusive, why are you cool with letting these three boys chill out with him? He, the, this guy is on another planet and he has a clear fixation on his daughter which is really troubling he's completely I feel like it's probably for the best that he's not around his sons but that he has just completely abandoned them Um, I don't know since the last two months there's been really no word of him anywhere Uh, I don't know where they are I hope that we're not hearing about them because he was arrested and it's just being kept closed mouthed with the rest of the family because he was always the one who was talking about all this publicly in the first place. So I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. Hopefully it's fine. Yeah, hopefully it's fine. Everybody's been returned. Then we, before that, we touched back on the abuse and murder at residential schools. This is in Canada. Mm-hmm. So... 
The news broke several months ago about the mass graves of indigenous children that were found on locations where residential schools used to stand. Um, since then, there have only been more burial grounds discovered, and it's presumed that the majority of these bodies were children killed in secret, either pointedly or through long-term abuse, and then not returned to their families. So the U.S. is having a similar comeuppance, even though the U.S. didn't call these places that we have residential schools. They essentially took a page out of the unhinged government book and applied like these sort of indoctrinations to boarding schools to our own indigenous communities in the 19th century and beyond. Um, for example, Minnesota alone had 16 of what they called uh, Indian boarding schools. Their terms. Excuse me. Yes. And that's just scratching the surface. So we'll have to come back and look at the U.S. versions of these fun little spots. Re-education camps. Not yeah. much fun goes on there. No, no, no. Um, and as far as any updates on the Canadian situation, they're still actively searching and finding more unmarked graves. And the Pope is coming this week. That's what the news story is this week. So great. Oh, because it was like a Catholic driven school. Yeah. So the Pope's coming. What a treat for everyone. The thing that the, the group of people who were beaten into following a religion one is a visit from the leader. Yeah. Of that religion. I hope the ghosts rise up and flip him off. That'd be fun. Oh, that would be so fun. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Oh, I'd love it. I don't know. It's just, it just seems, I don't know. Why is he going there? Do I don't know. I bring think... the leader of like the, the tribes there. Yeah. I don't know if there was any of the indigenous community crying out for that or if this was just some thing that people are like, Pope, you should go and look and be like, oh, like I don't know. He'll bless the graves. And he's like, no, no one asked no, for this. Please do not bless these graves. No one asked for this. You're making it worse. Please stop, sir. Also, Trudeau, Trudeau did the thing where he was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, they should have like some financial replication. Uh, they, I think reparations are right now being, uh, I think they are being discussed um, Ontario, I know, is in the process of releasing death records of approximately 1,800 Indigenous children to the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation. As if you'll recall, we talked briefly about that. It's the group that's centered around trying to start the process of healing through all this horror and genocide. Um, releasing death records one of the recommendations in the 2015 report when they were starting all this. So earlier this year, the Ontario government committed $10 million to search for burial sites at residential schools following the discovery. So essentially, they're putting government money right now into locating these burial grounds and at least being able to give closure to families and identifying some of the people, which yeah. is barely scratching the surface. But yeah, I mean, don't you want it is kind of a privilege to know who your great great grandmother is yeah and just you know to be able to to take the remains of your family away from a place that was very deeply hurtful and traumatic to them and put them in with your family yeah, and with your spot with your place right and to be able to like do your own rituals over your your loved ones and not have them be kept wherever there's like fucking ghoulish people buried them you know so i think that probably that's at least a very very small start uh to things that we can do moving forward. So <laughs> the one before then is... We've done so much horrible <laughs> stuff. It's just nightmare after nightmare, Natalie. Yeah, we're splitting this into two episodes because this is a lot of information to throw at you at one time. And uh, 
Yeah, we just, you know, it. there's a lot of people we've discussed in the last eight months. And they, do, so, they deserve their time. They do. We will begin with the, uh, we'll, we'll start talking a little bit about the uh, IBLP, Bill Gothard, Duggar situation. That hell hell. Yeah, so the old IBLP, the Institute in Basic Life Principles. What is there to say about Gothard, really? He's a vile parasite. Piece of shit. And he has continued to be protected by his church. Um, the long and short, the quick and dirty is that Bill Gothard founded the Institute in Basic Life Principles in the 60s, and he basically grew a cult out of starting with seminars where he was helping troubled teens, and then he started helping the entire families, and they would have these huge conventions, and he would give them all the, the life principles they needed to be. The basic life principles. Yes. And most of those revolves around um, male domination. <laughs> yeah, eye traps. It's a lot of like, what are you wearing? So like, no man gets horny looking yes. at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, the it, the um, if you remember the umbrella of protection, mm. it's God, and then the dad, and then the mom, and then the kids. But boy, kids are kind of almost the same as the mom. Um, and so you have to stay under the umbrella, or Satan's water is going to get all over you, and you get all slippery. Covered in Satan juices. And the man's got to be the big umbrella. And like, yeah, that kind of sucks for him. Yeah. And this is going to shock everyone. But in that circumstance and environment, there was a bunch of sexual abuse and sexual assault. No way. What? I know. It's crazy. If you treat women like they're actual objects. Like they're property. Then it's like, oh, if I damage this property, then like, who cares? It's just property. Right. So that is basically the... uh, synopsis of what the IBLP is. And he can, even though there was accusations going far back as the 80s, probably, I think if I recall, it was even earlier than that. I think there's some stuff in the 70s too, but they they kept uh, operating and operating. And then finally in 2014, 60 plus women came forward with sexual abuse and assault claims against him. Uh, it's got to be more because if you're raised yeah. under this... I mean, if you're raised under this and to go against it, you'd be like, oh, I'm siding with the devil. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's evil to, like, speak publicly, A, in this religion, mm-hmm. and to speak against the leader. This is a big deal for these women to come forward. I mean, they do. They they bound them with fear and threats of your eternal suffering. Your soul. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. the thing that you that's the biggest thing. Yeah. You can't touch it. You can't hold on to it. You don't know where it goes next. And to say like, oh, I know where it goes next. And right. if you follow mine, it goes somewhere good. Yeah. And that's why you can't ever trust just one religious leader. If one religious leader is saying they have all this stuff figured out and you have to listen to what they say, they are trying to sell you something. Absolutely. Like, I love God. I believe in God. I believe in souls. But if somebody is like, hey, my name's Bill and uh, I could speak to God and then you give me your money and you're going to go somewhere good. Then I'm like, "Okay, wait. And you also (laughs) can't work or wear pants. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. You have a relationship with this uh, bigger spirit than you because it's your personal relationship. Yeah, God invented black holes and rainbows and doesn't care if I wear shorts. Yes. And and you don't need a guy who's like, oh, I'm speaking for God. You can't hear God, but I can hear him. (laughs) And he says that I, you have to do my foot fetish stuff because he does have a foot fetish. Yep. Isn't it fucked up that that is the thing that they say you're allowed to have shown in their doctrine Women have to cover pretty much everything, but feet is okay. And it's because he has a fucking foot fetish. Um, there's been multiple reports of 
women coming in and like him asking them to take their shoes off and he would take his shoes off and they would like make he would make them touch toes and stuff. So if, you, if anyone managed to black that out of the uh, old episodes, there's that information for you again. And if you have a foot fetish and you're in a willing partnership, that's cool. I'm into all fetishes. I mean, I'm not personally into all fetishes, but if you have a foot fetish and you're in a consensual relationship, rock and roll. But if you're like, hey, 16 year old girls, take your shoes off and let's touch toes or else you'll go to hell. <laughs> That'd be a heavy load if you were into every fetish. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tie me up and slit my throat and touch my teeth. But also, like, cover me in peanut butter and sit on a balloon and fart. So many things. (laughs) There's a lot going on. Yeah. I think Uh, my fetish is consent. That's my big (laughs) fetish. Just the consent. You're crazy. (laughs) My God. So, yeah. In 2014, when all these women came forward... He stepped down and he basically didn't really acknowledge anything, but he was sort of like, I guess fine. I feel you're if everybody's like, so I'll go, whatever. And he just kind of now lives on the property. Mm -hmm. Um, And they tried to file a lawsuit against him that was voluntarily dismissed in 2018. And as we talked about, um, they did it. The victims did this not because they it didn't happen, but because the statute of limitations is in the way and basically their representation was saying, you're not going to get anywhere with this and it's going to ruin your life. And mm-hmm. they decided to just let it go um, because a lot of these were from years ago and statute of limitations fucked up and you can't talk about something after a certain number of years and get any sort of justice. So. They just went it, they let it go and he sort of slunk away. And now he lives um, on the property owned and operated by the IBLP near Big Sandy, Texas, home of the Big Sandy Family Conference. Yeah. Fans of the Duggars, the Bates, have probably heard of that family conference. It was portrayed on several of each of the family's respective shows. Just a bunch of good old boys and they're beautiful. Giant families. Yeehaw. I mean, I love good old country fun because I was raised that way. I love country fried steak and running barefoot. But, you know, again, when it's just like one man being weird. Yeah. And (laughs) the family conferences are they're They're big old fun camps where they basically just like dig you in deeper to the cult. But it's fun, too, because they get to like do tug of rope. (laughs) Rope, tug of war, tug of rope. Tug tug of war? There we go. That's what it's called. Tug, tug of, of war. war. They get to like, uh, I don't know what people who don't drink do for fun. I guess they like shovel hay. Yeah. Else. I mean, that was my high school childhood of just like, no, don't drink kids. But, you know, they would bring us like whitewater rafting. Which yeah, again, exactly. That's, yeah. yeah. There's more to life than getting drunk in a Walmart parking lot. Hey. <laughs> don't insult your culture. I'm sorry, Natalie. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, you're right, though. Um. Yeah, and that that's the thing. that They let the kids and stuff have fun at these things, which I think is why they talk about it all year long. It's like the one time they can be with other kids who are anything like them and they're not looked at like monsters and freaks. Yeah. But yeah, so that's where old Billy is now. Uh, old Grandpa Bill with the uh, love of toes. So <laughs> I think we're going to cut here because I'm going to start next week with Josh Duggar because I have... There's so much information on Josh Duggar, and I'm not going to dwell on it for too long, but there's a lot going on with him right now. His court date's about to happen, and oh boy. He's a nervous man. 
he's not nervous enough, I think. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that is that is uh, us for this week. I think uh, because we never got to finish Elle's story, I wanted to highlight her family friend is set, had set up a, a GoFundMe for Elle's family. They're not a wealthy family and they had to spend a lot of money going back and forth to California during all of this, um, paying for, you know, uh, just different things that happen when you have a, a child missing for this long. And there's a lot of costs that come with it. And um, they lost a lot of work, that sort of thing. So uh, their family friend has set up a GoFundMe also for the services and stuff they're going to have for Elle. And um, so, yeah, I'm going to send that link out. And that is who we'll be uh, donating to this week. And we will return to go back in time all the way back to March. How Ooh. long have we been doing this show? I, I don't no know. no idea. Time is a flat circle. It really is a flat circle. Uh, I am Natalie Jean. You can follow me at The United Jean. You can follow the show at Someplace Underneath. I'm Amber Smelson, all across the board. And uh, this is uh, Amber and Natalie, saucy, purred, and greasy as always. Peace. Hey, what?